Welcome to Pep Talk, a podcast from the Professional Edge Project. My name is JP Edgington, I'm the head coach and creator of the Professional Edge Project, and in this podcast, I'll be talking about how we can enhance our personal and professional effectiveness, how we can increase our mental resilience, how we can increase our calm, our composure, our confidence, our capacity and our capability, all for the benefit of our professional and our personal lives, since each has an impact on the other. If you like what you hear, I'd love to hear from you. It would be great if you could share it as well. But more importantly, more important than that, if something I cover resonates, then I urge you to take some action off the back of it. Even if it's something small, take some action off the back of it. Information is pointless without application. Thanks in advance. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy days to listen to this, but I really hope that you get some value, you get something that can actually make your lives a bit easier, give you some clarity on your day, give you some more confidence and allow you to go out there and and do what you do best. Let's go. Welcome, welcome, Pep Talk next episode. So, in this episode, what I'd like to talk about is uh, some key takeaways from, from a book that, that I read a little while ago, which is called Inside of the Nudge Unit by David Halpern. And David is a uh, behavioral insights kind of um, behavioral scientist, if you like, or behavioral uh, yeah, insight specialist, I would say. He works, <coughs> excuse me, inside the Behavioural Insights team inside government for many years. And what they do is look at ways in which they can use behavioural preferences to nudge um, the actions of people. Whether that's increasing the filling out of tax forms or how, you know, the use of, you know, simple... Um, tweaks to a letter or a process can have quite huge effects on um, uh, response rates or whether that process is followed or not followed. Um, so it makes for a very interesting read. And there's also another um, book, I think called Nudge by Sunston and Taylor, um, which talks about it as well. And obviously there's a fairly ethical um, issues around the, the concept of nudging but if you think about it it's what uh, uh, marketers do all the time they use certain preferences and our um, certain drives to be able to get us to click on something if you like that's what clickbait does um, but one of the key things in this book is that if you're going to nudge then you nudge for good you nudge for the benefit of others but that in itself can be quite a gray area but anyway there's some key takeaways that we can have um, from this book that we can bring in to make our own lives more effective. We can nudge ourselves or we can um, <clears throat> use this kind of nudge principle um, in our organisations. Okay, some very simple ways. And there's a couple of approaches for this. And that is the use of, or like I say, the topic of this um, podcast, which is hassle or friction, okay? 
Now obviously hassle or friction can be seen as a negative thing, but it can also be used in our favor because we have a natural preference or tendency to avoid hassle, to avoid friction, to avoid things that are difficult. So what we wanna to look to do is those things that we don't want to do, or are, sorry, that we are doing, but we know we shouldn't be doing, are there ways to make it more difficult for ourselves? The classic would be putting a biscuit tin in a really awkward place. Okay, that's increasing the hassle to be able to go to the biscuit tin and eat the biscuits. All right, that's one thing. Not buying biscuits. So if you want a biscuit, you've got to go all the way to the shop. Now, granted, sometimes those drives for biscuits are so strong that you will quite happily go to the biscuit <coughs> aisle. It's not that much of a hassle. But what's quite interesting with this and what, what we can use in our organisation, certainly when it comes to procedural um, adherence or compliance, I mean, usually like that word compliance, but that probably says more about me. But if we are in a situation where people aren't following procedures like they should do, taking a look at it through the lens of hassle and friction, through this convenience, familiarity, comfort point of view, can throw some very interesting light on the subject. Okay, so let's say from a health and safety point of view, every organization, you know, with more than a couple members of staff will have um, some sort of near miss incident or accident reporting procedure, right? So obviously some of the people that listen to this will be in the outdoors um, where the likelihood and the consequence of incidents or accidents may be greater. Who knows? But let's just use that as one example to start with. So if you have an incident or accident reporting procedure and you feel that it's not being followed as much, okay, or that you are having accidents and then it comes to like afterwards that there were a bunch of near misses that of a similar vein that weren't reported, which is often the case. It's quite often the case. So the interesting question here is this, how much hassle is it for people to report that near miss? Now there comes into this a whole other subject, which is, you know, the idea of um, it being uh, uncomfortable, that people feel threatened in terms of their security or their reputation. So it's those things that will cause them not to report the near miss, the fear of embarrassment, the fear of loss, loss of face, loss of reputation. So those things can also be addressed because they perceive it as a hassle to do so, but those are a bit trickier. But let's look at some other things. Oh, well, how easy is it? Or what is the process? How many steps are involved in the process of beginning or getting to the form or the, the document or whatever it is, whereby a member of staff would fill out 
a near miss. Now, let's get specific and get this dialed down. Let's not just go where they just ask for the form and then they fill it in. Or they just take the form out and they fill it in. No. They have a near miss, okay? Where do they have to go to get that form? How many steps are involved? Do they have to go to the office? Do they have to ask for a form? Do they have to open something, then click on something, then click on something else, and then go somewhere else and access it online? Do they have to go somewhere, ask for a folder, pull it out, sit down, write it down, and away we go? All of these small steps are hassle, they're friction, they're inconvenience, believe it or not. Now you may think, as the office manager, as the person involved of this, in charge of this aspect, that it's not that hard. They just come to the office, they ask for a form, I give them a form, it's simple. But think about it, it's not. Okay, what was particularly interesting is, is the way in which um, the Behavioural Insights team inside government removed one click from a process to be able to go and then fill in a tax return. One click. And the rate of form completion went up significantly. Okay, it might have only been, I mean, the way they, they talk about it is like, you know, three percentage points. And you go, well, three percentage points isn't an awful lot. But what that ended up being was something like, you know, 150 million pounds in tax paid on time rather than tax paid not on time. So if we looked inside our organisations, what would the benefit of, you know, two more people a, a month reporting a near miss? Surely that would be better, you know? And then we're looking to create some forward momentum here. If it's easier for some people to report a near miss, if we can remove the fear, the embarrassment and so on, which a lot will come down into how we respond to to the near miss in particular and certainly when I've heard occasions of you know you have to go and speak to a line manager so you knock on the door they're always busy open the door yes where is it hi boss I've got a, a near miss to report and the look on their face is one of oh geez oh, right here we go what is it what happened you know and even if you you don't come across quite as bluntly as that the look on someone's face can just go well that was uncomfortable I'm trying to do the right thing here near misses, incidents, mistakes are going to happen. How you respond to it and the lessons learned from it, those are the key things. And if we don't respond in the right way, if we add friction and hassle to the reporting or the process of dealing with that near miss, guess what? It's not going to happen. And the key thing to remember here is not the amount of friction or hassle that you think is involved, but the friction and hassle of those that have to follow that particular procedure, that have to do that near miss. And it's just like play devil's advocate. Let's look at it. Let's assume if this, could I make this process simpler? Could I make it easier to access? Could I make it anonymous? Okay, there was a period where the Civil Aviation Authority had some basically a horrendous safety record. Planes were dropping out of the sky left, right and centre. It seemed, you know, relative. And one of the issues was around people's fear about reporting 
near misses, the consequences of reporting the near misses, the friction and hassle of either reporting it or the consequences and the hassle after reporting it. So what they did, <coughs> because for them, the knowledge gained from the information reported was far more important than pointing a finger of blame, which is a common thing with near misses. We're, we're, we're more concerned about pointing the finger of blame rather than just gaining the knowledge from it, it seems, sometimes. But they said that anybody could report an incident of near miss with immunity for up to like seven days after it happened via this whatever it was, whatever this process was, online portal, I don't know what it was, via this mechanism, okay? Within a very short amount of time, they were able to see patterns and see various things that, that allowed them to make some very significant changes in, in processes and procedures across the world and share that information with airlines and, 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 you know, as a result, the safety record turned around almost in, in a very short amount of time, okay? In a very short amount of time. Have a read of Black Box Thinking by Matthew Syed if you want to kind of learn more about that. Well, what they did is they removed the friction and the hassle. So there's a couple of things here, okay? A couple of takeaways here. Um, if you want to avoid something, you know that you shouldn't be doing it and you want to avoid it, then trying to add as many frictions and hassles in between you and it as possible will make it more difficult for you to do it and mean you're more likely to do something else. At the same time, if you can remove friction and hassle between what you don't really feel like doing but know you should, then you'll be more inclined to go there. We want to go the route of least resistance. Add resistance to where we don't want to go, remove the resistance from where we do. Classic example of getting your gym kit out the day before, your running kit out the day before, prepping your dinner the day before, you know, a healthy lunch the day before, rather than leaving it to when you don't have time and it's inconvenient and it's a hassle to prep your lunch in the morning because you've woken up a bit late and so you don't bother, you skip it and away you go. You know the score, all right? But we can take these lessons and we can apply it to our businesses and organizations and we can apply it to procedures and processes that are either not being followed enough, yep, um, and certainly when we look to introduce a new process or procedure that's potentially unpopular, reducing the friction or trying to make that new process as easy and comfortable and familiar and preferential whilst making the old procedure more awkward or whatever because otherwise people will slip back into, you know, what they've done before. Again, this is quite a vast topic and, and it takes some dialing down and becoming more specific, um, given that the, the organisational needs or the individual needs, but you get the idea. Yeah. Increasing friction when we want to avoid something or we want our staff to avoid doing something 
for reducing the friction and it can be something quite small a click of a button on a web page having to ask somebody for a folder or to do something is believe it or not a big friction a big pain in the bum can I remove that somehow can I simplify the process to make it easier yeah and again you may have dozens of processes and procedures but look at the ones where you'll either make either the biggest gains or the quickest gains you know maybe get some early wins easy wins going on or the most significant wins if you need help with this give me a shout okay because I can come in and we can talk specifics with you um, or we can you know just ping me an email or some such and we can um, go from there but it's inside the nudge unit by David Halpin black box thinking by Matthew Syed both very interesting books to read but don't just read them take the takeaways and see what you can apply to your organization in terms of little nudges hassles either in your own professionalism and personal life or inside your organizational processes and procedures hopefully that's useful yep again a tiny you know it's a 15 second kind of podcast episode the aim of these is always to generate some thought to you know give you something to think about apply a different perspective to a situation and ultimately the aim is is to be able to provide you with something you go okay let's go and apply that let's go and try it let's go and see what happens okay let's just go and see what happens like i said if you need some help with it give me a shout i'll catch you on the next one